We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. KJ Podcast, what up my people? Week two of the NFL season is about to be in the books. Storylines are forming everywhere, especially here in San Francisco. 49ers win 30-27. to They go up big early, almost choke away a lead in the fourth quarter, hold on to get the W. Afterwards, Richard Sherman says, felt like a loss. We're going to address those comments. We're going to address Jimmy G has not had a great start to the season, and you're blind if you're convincing yourself that. We'll get to a couple of his growing pains. I thought Kyle made a couple mistakes. I thought the defense kind of got exposed. Some people are coming to the realization that this team actually does have problems, that there was a little bit of overhype in the offseason. And this is totally okay, guys. This is how an NFL season goes. There's a ton of adversity, and it's about those teams who figure out their obstacles and still can perform. So we can, we're going to address the 49ers, what's going on with them two weeks into the season. Where do they go from here? Remember to check out Ted Wynn on the Raiders, Ray Woodson on the Giants, BlueWirePods.com. Two more podcasters coming on board soon, expanding to other markets. I'm creating an expansion team here, guys. Give this team a listen. Yeah, another weird week. 49ers win 30-27 over the Lions. Feels like a loss. Epic fourth quarter collapse. Lions outgain San Francisco 182-16 to over the final 11 minutes. Let's just recap what happened. I mean, 49ers lead 13-10 at halftime. They're playing a little bumpy. Jimmy G's finished once in the red zone, but there's been sacks. He's holding on to the ball too long. 
49ers come out of halftime. DJ Reed gives them a gift. 90-yard kickoff return. 49ers finish in the red zone. Selleck time. That could become the new red zone target there. Later in the third quarter, Matt Breida, 67-yard run. Pierre Garçon rides a Detroit defender into the end zone. Breida was fantastic all day. He was the best player on the team. Late round picks here from John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan coming through. 49ers add a field goal later. Pierre Garçon's a a big target on the day. It's 30-13. This game should have been over early fourth quarter. You're feeling good about beating the Lions, laying the smack down, overcoming a so-so first half to really impose your will. Then the 49ers let their guard down. Matt Stafford focuses solely on Akilla Weatherspoon. He locks down. And the Lions just start pounding the left side of the field. Golden Tate has a 67-yard play on Kawan Williams. Jimmy Ward comes in. Akilla Weatherspoon's been benched. All of a sudden, it's 30-27. Three minutes left in the fourth quarter. The 49ers need to get first downs and end this game. They need to be a damn good offense like they're supposed to be and end this game. Third and three, Jimmy G... Locks on to Matt Breida, a little out route towards the sideline. Pick six, luckily wiped out from a Detroit penalty. Defensive holding, Quandre Diggs, very questionable call away from the play. The 49ers got bailed out. This would have been an incredibly ugly loss. Going 0-2 to the Lions with the Chiefs next week. Jimmy G's issues throwing back-to-back pick sixes to start the season. The 49ers were handed a gift from the football gods that I don't know if they deserved. The play calling was conservative all day. Not one pass went longer than 21 yards down the field. Jimmy G held onto the ball, was sacked six times. 30 points was not all offensive flow. There was a lot of gifts here. I mean, Cassius Marsh ended up with a fumble recovery there. That was only turned into three points. Sacks allowed in the red zone. Mike McGlinchey did not have the best game. Mike Person played banged up. It wasn't just the O-line. Receivers weren't getting open enough. They didn't have Marquise Goodwin. That has been a huge difference. 5-0 to December, Marquise Goodwin was torching people. That element of the offense has been missing, and you can kind of tell this thing isn't exactly where it should look. Jimmy G... 18 of 26, 206 yards, two touchdowns. That INT wiped out. And luckily, we're not going to think about it a month from now because it didn't happen. But, whoo, baby, that could have been disastrous. I'm talking about the season slipping away and snowballing from that moment. And the balloon being burst. That the hype bubble of the offseason burst. So 49ers end up punting after that penalty. Lions... They finally fizzle out. Matt Stafford missed a bunch of throws all game in the first and second quarter. This could have been a much different outcome. 49ers escape. They make enough big explosive plays. You credit Matt Breida, DJ Reed. Richard Sherman locked down an entire side of the field. I think it's good this team has Richard Sherman stepping up after the game, saying directly, this felt like a loss. We didn't deserve to win with how we played in the fourth quarter. In the standings, it says one and one, but internally, when they watch film, they're not going to be treating this like a rah rah, ha ha, look at us. 
there's a lot of improvement to be made. And the fact that you have Richard Sherman coming out and saying it right away, he's going to press people. He's going to call people out really hard on film. And I think this Uncle Sherm fun and games is going to come to a head here in some defensive meetings when Akilah Witherspoon, Jimmy Ward, Adrian Colbert has not been the high flyer he was in December yet. There's going to be some hard conversations happening, and I think this is good for the 49ers. A little struggle here against the Lions. Listen, I think it would have been better, obviously, to win 30-13 to and slam the door shut and have a lot of confidence going into Kansas City. But you can take away some positives here because tougher conversations that were going to happen later in the season are going to happen now. And I think they have those conversations on offense, too. Jimmy G is not struggling. These are growing pains. These are, he needs more snaps. He's little lost mentally, it felt like, for the first time week two against the Lions. Overthinking where he should go with the football. Trying to limit the interceptions, maybe. Is that a reason for him hanging in the pocket as long as he did? The six sacks, at least half, if not four to five, were on Jimmy G, it seems like. Get rid of the football, throw it a little higher to your receiver if he's not open. Try and throw it in the dirt. Remember, Jimmy G threw it in the dirt in the end zone to Kyle Juszczyk and the refs got together. Not intentional grounding, but he flirted a little bit with some decision-making that didn't seem like he was decisive in what he wanted to do. A little bit of hesitation from Jimmy G. 4.9 yards an attempt. I don't know about Kyle's play call on that pick six either to Brita. If Jimmy G was locked onto him, that was probably the number one option to go to there. It's really conservative to have a running back there be your lead guy on a third and three. Look for Kittle or, or Garcon, get something going in the middle of the field. I did not like that sideline throw on essentially the biggest play of the game to try and make sure this game was going to be over. The 49ers threw a pick six and <laughs> pretty much should have lost. Sean Hockley and the ref, shout out to them. Some fruit baskets are coming from Jed York. I do have a problem with no pass attempts over 20 yards with Dante Pettis in the starting lineup with how good the deep ball to use check worked last week. There should have been more deep chances. It felt like a conservative game plan and Jimmy G had a conservative mindset in the pocket like he didn't want to throw picks. Like the three picks last week really scarred his decision-making a little bit. And this is what I'm saying with a growing pain. And now he realized he overcorrected this week against the Lions. And there is some type of happy medium. I think he was asked this in the locker room by the reporters. Jimmy G also missed that touchdown to Kittle, left corner of the end zone early in the game. He does tend to throw high when it's Kittle. For some reason, that that connection's been a little off, even though it's their top connection right now. It could be even stronger. Kittle probably is the number one fantasy option for the 49ers for these next four to five games. Good thing the Chiefs' defense does not look that great. Patrick Mahomes is the MVP of the league so far, but Big Ben and Phillip Rivers have attacked that Chiefs' defense, so Kyle and Jimmy G, it's not like they're staring something really daunting next week in the Chiefs defense. It is in Arrowhead. It'll be their first home game of the season. It's going to be a a crazy, rocking, loud crowd. Let me get this clear. 
I am not worried about Jimmy Garoppolo, but those who are defending his every throw on Twitter and saying it's an overreaction to say Jimmy G isn't doing enough to win, he's making very good throws. He's still moving this offense down the field. He had a really nice throw early on to Pettis. Pierre Garçon had some big first downs. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be fine. But to ignore some of these growing pains and not bring them to light, Kyle's going to have tough conversations. Seemed like he was a little angry at Jimmy yesterday too. There's going to be some hard coaching in that locker room, in the meeting rooms, in Santa Clara the next couple weeks. It's been fun and they're building a nice culture. Everything's on the table now. If you're playing poorly, it's getting called out in front of the entire team. And that's how it is now, and that's what winning programs do. And Richard Sherman's going to be at the forefront of that. I think Kyle's tone is going to have to get tougher. More penalties. The O-line didn't seem like they were mauling. It seemed like they were getting mauled every time. Like they were in defensive mode. They weren't the ones who were the aggressors. There's some different types of approaches that need to happen. I don't know what to do about second corner. This team is having a tough time evaluating cornerbacks. Rashard Robinson last season. Now you've got Akilah Witherspoon on a frying pan, just like an egg, just getting fried and picked on. I saw this coming. There were a lot of people on Twitter crowning Akilah Witherspoon as the next guy going to all these functions with Richard Sherman and, and just the hype juice with Akilah Witherspoon got out of control. Who knew Richard Sherman was going to be this good? And remember, I thought with Richard Sherman this good, the defense would hit some nice barriers. Reuben Foster's coming back next week. If Richard Sherman plays this well, I think other people will start to feed off him. But there's just a clear strategy here. If you're a quarterback, attack their second cornerback. It was almost comical that Matthew Stafford wasn't even looking at one side of the field in the fourth quarter as he was tearing this team apart. He used the left side and left middle to pick the 49ers apart. He could have done this all game. They're lucky Stafford was a little bit off. His touch on the deep ball was not there. They're having a tough time covering over there. Next week is going to be physically impossible to cover Pat Mahomes and how good this Chiefs team is. The Chiefs might go 12-4 and four this year. I don't think you make a trade. I, I do think it's bad for Akilah Weatherspoon to get benched. I don't think it's worth putting Jimmy Ward in the game to also get burned. Like, I'd rather just ride with Akilah Witherspoon and just let his confidence go so low and Richard Sherman will try and lift it back up. And you're talking about putting safety help there at all times and having to push Tart back a little bit and trusting Fred Warner and Reuben Foster to cover more ground. Because I think you're going to have to shift some safeties around and not play 100% true to this scheme. If Colbert is doubling over there every time, I don't think it's a bad thing. Let defenses know that Colbert is also over there. That side needs so much support. Witherspoon, it was a blown assignment early in the game. It looked like he, he was just lost his man it was man coverage he thought it was zone and he was just up he didn't run with his guy um i love his physicality he's improved 
I do think he's a he's going to be a decent second corner. I don't think this this is going to last all season, but you're talking if he is continually getting beat and beat, why not look at Tarvarius more? Least for a game. And if he's also getting burnt too, then you can pick who you want to absorb the blows, but the game plan moving forward from Mahomes, from Rivers, Josh Rosen will be starting the time. It's Cardinals 49ers, Aaron Rodgers, Jared Goff, the next five quarterbacks to play the 49ers. The game plan is right there. Matt Stafford just executed it. Go after Witherspoon. If they throw in Ward, just let Richard Sherman lock down your guy. They, they have a leak over here that you can make a puncture. Richard Sherman said after the game that Robert Sala was great. It's not on him. Players have to be able to win matchups. Listen, the Lions have a damn good receiving core. Kenny Galladay, Golden Tate, Marvin Jones. They're rotating all of them and just attacking there. Not many teams have that amount of firepower. But most teams have a receiver they can pick on you. And we saw that, and it's concerning. Stafford goes 347 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. We got to say the pass rush was decent at best. I mean, it was not in his face, especially late in the game. DeForest Buckner has another half sack. How about Ronald Blair getting more snaps than Solomon Thomas? 40 snaps for Blair, 37 for Solomon Thomas. The number three overall pick in last year's draft is a rotational defensive lineman for the 49ers right now. You want to talk about unacceptable. His development is going slower than anticipated. It's not the full picture is what the 49ers are saying. Troubling developments, though. I didn't know if Ronald Blair was a lock to make the roster. Now he's getting more time than Solomon Thomas. They're trying to rush the passer. They're trying to put the best players on the field is the message I'm getting there. They're going to have to address this and really create some narrative here as to why Solomon Thomas can't stay on the field. Isn't he supposed to struggle some, play through some of these struggles? I'm kind of on his side here. Doesn't he need more chances? This playing time thing is a little unexpected. It's not totally shocking because we knew his development was not going well, but it's unexpected that he's not even getting the chances. 77 snaps. He, He didn't play half the snaps. Buckner, 64 out of the 77 snaps. How about Marsh? 54 snaps. He's in on nickel downs. He was making a play or two. I mean, you got to give Marsh some credit. I will. Armstead, 54 snaps. He's been rotating all over the line. Earl Mitchell, only 25 snaps. He's being phased out a little bit there on the D-line. You can tell. How about my boy Julian Taylor? Can we get him active? If we're going to be rotating this much in, I love his pass rushing abilities, especially from the big end out there. Give him a chance. Why not? They've got to jumpstart something there. Ruben Foster coming back is going to change some things. It's going to allow this run defense to be really sturdy and the 49ers to put teams in more third and eights, obvious passing downs. Him and Fred Warner together is a very exciting thought. Warner has 22 tackles now in two NFL games. Has not looked overwhelmed at all. He was definitely more impactful against the Vikings, but certainly didn't get beat often. 
Yeah, I think big picture, guys, there's a realization the 49ers have been a little overhyped, but it doesn't mean they can't meet expectations. Jimmy G is going to throw another pick six this season. He's not going to look as amazing as December all the time, and he needs to prove he can get back there sooner rather than later. He knows when you sign a $137.5 million contract, there's not expected to be any drop-off. December is what the 49ers believe he is. I think he will reach that level. It's going to take some time. It could be late October until he really hits his stride. Matt Ryan, in his first full season with Kyle Shanahan, struggled and won the MVP the second season. This is a different type of way things are happening now. December was on the fly. Here's a quick game plan. It's different now. Circumstances, the team is different. It's not going hunky-dory right away. The Niners are happy to be 1-1. They could easily be 0-2. They're playing through some growing pains and they're still winning. That's a good sign. Richard Sherman is ready to call out players. That's a good sign. There's going to be some scar tissue built now that's actually going to help them, I think, later on in the year. Matt Breida, lead dog back. I'm wrong here. You're going to to ride with Breida coming up. His home run ability... Very shifty in space. He gets to the second level. He can make the second defender miss. He can run through the first tackle and then juke the second defender. I don't know how he went undrafted, but without his performance, I think the 49ers lose against the Lions. Alfred Moore is still valuable, but ride hot hands right now. Keep going with Brita next week against the Chiefs. You got to try and make more plays down the field next week. The 49ers were conservative, I felt, in their play calling. You got to take minimum of three chances deep in any NFL game, no matter what team you are. It's not a wasted play if you draw something up correctly and get one-on-one coverage. I mean, it's, it's game-changing. 49ers were in the Vikings game last week because a Kyle Juszczyk 55-yard reception. Red zone... Still not good. More on the O-line this week. More on Jimmy G holding onto the ball. But it's not like they thrive there. Kendrick Bourne had a touchdown out of the backfield. I like the creativity there. It's really weird to see Kyle's offense malfunction down there. It's like a Lamborghini going so fast in between the 20s. And it gets to the 20s and it's, it's stalled out. It's got engine problems. There's fundamental concepts that defenses understand in the red zone that Kyle Shanahan, I don't think they're tipping plays or anything, but everything's well defended. No one's getting wide open down there. You're seeing other teams around the league scheming things up in the red zone and scoring easy touchdowns. Some type of different philosophical approach I think should be going on where Kyle's completely fooled people. And he's really torn up plays and made this offense look a little different in the red zone. Maybe more shotgun in the red zone. Like almost every play. I really think it's a a place where you throw now and you don't even hide your cards and you just try and spread it out. 
think we're seeing too many big formations down there, too many runs on first and 10 in the red zone that are just going for one, two yards. Yeah, I'm not off this team's bandwagon. I am concerned about Jimmy G's growing pains. I'm concerned that they might need another playmaker on offense. I'm concerned that every team knows how to throw on them now. Second cornerback, they're going to have to shift some things defensively. I'm not concerned that there's about to be some hard conversations in that building. There's good culture there right now. I'm not concerned about Jimmy G long term. This team, again, we said it last week, it's closer to 8-8 eight and eight than it is 11-5. and five. This could be a 7-9 and nine season and still be considered a mini-success. It would not be considered an utter failure if they went 7-9 and nine and Jimmy G did play really well and the young pieces on defense really stepped up. Don't be playoff or bust right now in year two of a rebuild. The balloon got overhyped a little too hard because people thought they were going to come out and steamroll teams. Listen, they were up 30-13 to against the Lions. They have the capabilities of beating teams in this league handily. They're going to have miscues. Their roster has holes, clearly. The O-line, we don't know if it's going to be great this year. That's going to determine a lot more than I've said so far on this podcast. We don't know if McGlinchey is going to be a star right away. I thought with Ziggy Ansah out, it was going to be a pretty easy matchup for them. It wasn't. Not all the sacks are on them. They weren't horrible either. Like, I'm giving them a C or a C+. They weren't the maulers. They weren't the aggressors. And you felt that. Brita was good in the run game. Obviously, the 67-yarder gave him 138 total. The run game has not been a major problem to start the year. They moved it a little bit against Minnesota. We'll see how prominent it is against the Chiefs. It's going to be shootout mode right away in Kansas City. You're not even going to be able to tell. We should address the elephant in the room. It is Josh Gordon, John Lynch, even addressing it with reporters on a Sunday before the game talking to Josh through the media there that they're going to make a call. So Browns to cut Josh Gordon, announce they're cutting him, and then be like, wait, why are we cutting him? They tried to make a statement. I bet it's John Dorsey saying, this is my team. He injured his hamstring away from football, whatever it was. He's got too much going on. We've given him too much chances. He wasn't here during training camp at a certain point. Don't announce that you're releasing him, trade him. So now they've kind of, they've got this mess on their hands. It's, it is a little shocking because he did have a touchdown week one. He is obviously a weapon in the league. Gordon's representatives come out, tell Schefter and Rap Sheet he prefers a trade to the 49ers or the Dallas Cowboys. I was in the building in 2014 Josh Gordon suspended for the first 10 games of the season. I remember when that news came down in the facility, people went home for the whole day. NFL Network was turned off. TVs were off. Everyone was deflated. That was right after the 2013 season where he went off and proved he was a monster. 
So he's suspended the first 10 games of the season, comes back his first game, Browns win in overtime. Brian Hoyer throws, I think Josh went for like seven catches, 100 yards, something like that. Kyle forced him the ball. They beat the Falcons. The Browns are 7-4, and four, and it's Thanksgiving. This team is overachieving. It's Mike Penn's first year. Kyle has been calling beautiful plays one year out of Washington. He, his first year in Cleveland here. And then the wheels fall off. Brian Hoyer starts throwing picks. There's pressure from ownership and the fans to play Johnny. Johnny comes in against Kyle's will, against the rest of the players' will. Like Everyone knew he was not ready to handle this. And Johnny's just absolutely awful. And then Connor Shaw comes up from the practice squad, starts week 17. Hoyer and Manziel hurt himself. It was just, it was a, it was a nightmare. So I didn't get to see Kyle enough with Josh Gordon. I know that he forced him the ball. And I remember a quote that Kyle admitted that they were, they were forcing him the ball. That receiving core, Andrew Hawkins, Miles Austin. I mean, they, Kyle had to use creativity all season long, but it did feel like he didn't use Josh Gordon properly. I know that they're not about shenanigans in their building for a small price tag. The thing is, if it's a fourth-round pick, that's costly, and Josh Gordon doesn't work out, and he burns you right away. I mean, you just can't count on someone who has addiction in their history and hasn't proven they're over it. I have addiction history in my family. It's a real thing. They sometimes can't be counted on. And it's it's sad. It's a reality. It's a disease that they fight and deal with. Josh also is getting pulled off the field, doing other things. His talent is immense. I don't know if he's meant for the NFL. I don't know the stress of the league. If the Niners were to acquire him, I'd want him to either live with John Lynch or live with a teammate and, and really set this up for him to be successful. If you're going to give up a fourth or a fifth round pick or a conditional third rounder next year if he pans out and plays well who knows what the deal will be but I'm at the point where the 49ers could use a jolt to the receiving core I wouldn't want it to be Des Bryant if it's Josh Gordon on a less than a million dollar contract and you're just trying to insert another weapon here that Jimmy G could have nice chemistry with Dante Pettis I really you want him to grow you also want to collect as many weapons as possible. And if you somehow fall into a really talented guy who needed to get out of Cleveland more than anything, who Kyle knows a little bit, this is on Kyle. If Kyle wants Josh Gordon and the price tag is right, go get him. I'm not entirely sure he wants him. I don't know if it's worth the headaches and the special rules that he comes with potentially just wasting a draft pick right away. And knowing we might cut him in a month or two and be like, this was the wrong thing. We can't do it. He's explosive. He has number one wide receiver potential. It's been the most ongoing saga in recent NFL history. Him and the Browns, him and the NFL, the suspensions, his mental health. He needs a change of scenery. I don't think he's ever going to be a beast. I think they could use him this season and then figure it out. 
I think he could come in and have 25 catches this season and make a splash impact. I don't think he I don't think he would walk in right away and have 60 catches and dominate. Is it worth it for a fourth round pick? Maybe not. If it's a sixth or seventh, I think so. 49ers will be evaluating that today. They didn't have receivers get open very often yesterday. Windows were pretty tight. I think Kyle will take some of the blame. I don't think the scheme was up to standards. And it happens. It's a 17-game season, guys. Don't freak out about this team yet. Understand that they know the issues. They left corner thin. Jimmy Ward's contract hurt them. They thought he was a depth piece that he's actually not. They might have missed on Solomon Thomas. These are humongous issues. They still have Jimmy G. They still have Reuben Foster. They have DeForest Buckner. Richard Sherman might be hitting all of his incentives. Richard Sherman might be an all-pro. No, I think he's eventually going to get exposed, I think, in one game. And he's going to like call me out for saying this. But he's going to give up a touchdown once in a while. But what a start to the year by him. I didn't see this coming. I saw him getting tested quite a bit. And people aren't even looking his way. So there's good things. There's bad things. It's closer to 8-8 eight and eight than 11-5. and five. The Kool-Aid got too hyphy in the offseason. Reports out of training camp get people too excited. This team needs Marquise Goodwin. If he steps up like he did last year, the offense will be fine. KJ Podcast. I got to head into the office. Monday morning podcast. Going to race down to Silicon Valley. And then edit this thing. Just do. BlueWirePods.com. Yeah, I think overall, not freaking out. There's a realization this team has a lot of holes. They made plays to win, even though it was ugly. They won ugly. It's okay to talk about issues with this football team. That doesn't mean you think they suck. You can bring up that the second cornerback is not good. Doesn't mean the 49ers are a terrible football team. They have bright spots that can play well and mask other issues. That's the goal. And we talked about some of those strategies. Shifting Colbert over the second corner could become a priority. Leaning on Foster and Warner to guard every tight end and running back and certain receivers. They're going to change some things schematically on defense to prop up that second corner. It's like giving it a root canal over there. They're going to change some things under the grounds with some wires. They should. I think Salah will. Offensively, got to integrate Goodwin as soon as possible. I said Kyle's got to take a different approach in the red zone, completely different from what he's done in the past. KJ Podcast, BlueWirePods.com. Two new podcasters coming soon. Appreciate you guys for listening. Talk to you again on Wednesday. Peace.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.